Uh, my dad and I have the privilege today to teach together, so hope you enjoy that. Uh, this series is really all about money and how to manage money in a way that honors God and that brings freedom to our lives. So if you missed it last week, I recommend going back and maybe listening online to the, to the message and catching up a little bit. But let me give you a, a brief recap of the things that we're kind of covering throughout this series. One of them is this, that normal is really not working uh, in, a, in our country right now in terms of money. Most people are stressed. Most people have a great bondage when it comes to their finances. It's really crippling most of us, even in the room today. Money really enslaves us in many ways. That's why we're going to actually teach a little bit differently today. We're going to make it a different style because we feel like this is such an important topic to address because so many of us, in fact, all of us, deal with how to manage money in, the, in a healthy way. Also, we talked about this concept that God is the ultimate owner of all things, that we're just simply managers of the things that God has. And so learning to manage our money in a way that honors him is really a journey of, of finding out exactly how he wants us to go about doing that. Also, we talked about the concept that money can only move in three directions. We can uh, spend money, we can give money, and we can save money. Last week, we talked about the concept of giving, that, if we, that, that ultimately the, the goal for Christ followers is that we would become generous people. We also talked about the fact that if we trust God with our best, that God blesses the rest. And today, we're going to talk about saving like no one else. So as we get started, maybe we can share a little bit of what happened last week with the commitments. Oh, yeah, we have great news. Uh, talking on generosity, we got 150 people committed to do the 90 days generosity challenge. That's pretty so awesome. That's can pretty we thank awesome. God for that? Great. So I'm so proud of you guys for stepping up to that, and we're going to see what God, what God does in all these families that uh, decided to make that commitment. One of the other privileges we have today is that uh, we get to have on the table here an expert on money. In fact, my dad's written several books yeah. on this topic, and I want to show you on the screen oh. here a couple <laughs> of his books. Um, very similar, right? In fact, let, let's put the next picture on there. You can see the similarities. I think if my dad gained some more weight, they could be twins. So that's Dave Ramsey there on the screen. And uh, unfortunately, it's not your books, but you could have written these books. Maybe, maybe. But I want to share a picture with you too, so it's not only... No, look. <laughs> this is from the time his allowance was not enough for, to pay for a haircut. So he decided to do himself. Great yeah, example. Eh? That's pretty bad. Look at, look at that baby face, though. Wow. That's well, true. today's topic is saving. So I want to pray together, and then we'll jump right in. If you want to get your notes ready, open your programs. Your outline is inside of it as well. So, Father, thank you that we get to spend this time together. Thank you for the power of your word that has the, the power to change the human heart and the human behavior. And I, we invite you to do that, to really speak to us, to speak uh, into our finances, God. We want to do things in a way that honors you, that brings life to each of our families and our futures. So we invite you to be a part of this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Sophie, uh, you know what I found about money? Mm. Money is fun if you got some, <laughs> okay? So today we are going to share some biblical principles to help you getting some money. So pay attention, making notes. I also found, found out about money is, another thing that I found out about money is most people are not doing well, you know. Uh, I believe we have made 
If you have made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12, because we all made mistakes. So let's see, how many of you have done some stupid mistakes about money? Raise your hands. So how many of you that did not raise your hand has a problem with lying? <laughs> you don't need to answer, don't, don't worry about it. The other thing that's interesting about money is this, that the number, the number one cause of divorce in North America today is money fights and money problems. That's what most people blame their divorces on. And the number one thing that people fight about in marriage is divorce. So as we talk about this topic, you'll find that, the, you, in fact, if you have your spouse next to you, you might be doing this a lot, but it's really reality that most people fight about this. So as we learn to manage our money in a healthy way, it also benefits the marriages in the room. And you know, uh, God knew this would be a major issue for us. So he gave us a lot of instructions and wisdom on money. In the Bible, we found more than 1,700 verses related to money. 1,700. I just have some breakdown, like 585 talks about offering, uh, 416 about gold, and uh, 339 silver, and goes on. Because God really knew we needed help in, in this area. It's amazing. And uh, biblical finance, like so many things in our life, it's 80% behavior and 20% only head knowledge. So we really know what we need to do. The problem is we don't do it. Hmm. Yeah? So even the stuff we're going to talk about in the scriptures today, it's really not too hard to understand. In fact, these principles are very basic. They're just hard to apply. So we want to give you some practical ways to apply some of these principles as we cover the basics of financial management in a God-honoring way. So Proverbs 13.11 says this, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. Wow, so we don't sell microwave here. We sell crockpots. So it's going to take a while to cook it, but it will taste much better at the end. It's like anything in our spiritual life, you know, they are not really instantaneous. Like you don't become a perfect husband overnight. Even though my wife, Julian, would love that, I have been trying for 35 years and I'm still cooking. <laughs> I'm still in the crockpot. <laughs> So if you want to win with money, we're going to talk about four basic principles or tools or, or practical steps that you can take that leads you toward financial freedom uh, that we've been learning throughout life. I've learned a lot of this from my dad, and some of the stuff we're going to talk about comes from Dave Ramsey's teachings as well. But number one is this. If you have your notes, you want to uh, start taking notes there. You can also take, it, take notes in a digital format on your Uversion app as well. So number one is this. Get out of debt. Very simple, Right? But it's this concept of stop borrowing and start paying off our debt. It's the very first step to having freedom in our lives and moving us toward saving like no one else. It's very basic, but the truth is that debt equals risk. And the more debt that we have, the more risk we have in our lives of being entrapped by money. The Bible says it this way, that the borrower is slave to the lender. It's Proverbs 22.7. The borrower is slave to the lender. And if you've ever been in a situation like this where you feel like money, it takes over your life and it's constantly bugging you, you know that you're a slave to money in many ways. And slaves have to keep a job they hate 
because they have to pay the bills. Slaves aren't really generous either because it's hard to give when you can hardly pay your bills and, and you feel guilty about the, the stuff that you are not able to save up for. Um, and you have a lot of, master, of masters in your life and money is one of those things that can start mastering you if you don't learn how to master it. And Jesus said it this way when it comes to masters. He, says it, he said it in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other and you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So masters, two masters. So that reminds me of MasterCard. So who named that anyway, right? MasterCard? Maybe, maybe they learned it from Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody was reading Or the Discovery Bondage or American Distress. <laughs> <laughs> so it's real. Uh, for example, people get so uh, long uh, student loans that they be they think it's a pet, has been living with them for so long. Uh, we have uh, hosted uh, last year these life groups in our home with the Financial Peace Life Groups. And the average, we ask our people to write down anonymous how much debt they had, the couples. And the average was from $130,000 to $180,000 per group. That excluding mortgage. So you can see that credit card debts and uh, no, student loans are really a major issue mm. in every family. So what, what are the main contributors to the problem of debt in our culture? Maybe you can talk about that. Oh, uh, there are, I can, I, we can say two major threats, traps in our society. One is credit card, as I said. And uh, there is a, Dave Ramsey was to share that he you know, got to meet billionaires and I never did that. Uh, but talking to billionaires, he said, I never heard any of them say, you know, I made all with my discovery points. Or, for example, those airline miles, they were my breakthrough financial moments. Ah, <laughs> I wish. Oh, we missed that. So we could be rich with miles. Yes, huh? I guess I so. Know. So uh, I know some of us can be you know, responsible, work you know, with credit cards, you know, uh, but this is really a minority. Majority of people they don't pay 100% on the due date. And even if you pay, there are some statistics that show when you use credit card plastic, you spend more. McDonald's did a research uh, among their customers and they spend 47% more when they buy with credit cards than when they buy cash. And uh, another research done not for McDonald's customers, but overall also talks about 12 to 18% more no, when you use plastic instead of cash. So mm. this, if you are in that, you have to understand it's a trap. Credit card is really boring more and more, so you never get out of that if mm. you get into that. So what should we do if uh, people have a credit card? Oh, well, I have some suggestions here. Surgery? We have to do a plastic surgery. So <laughs> you go home, get those babies, and you start doing plastic surgery. Here goes uh, Home Depot. Buy, no, buy. Uh, old construction material or Sears. Here goes your Sears tools. Buy on Craigslist, you know? <laughs> uh, this is even worse. Victoria's Secret. Uh, but don't worry, they get cash. They, they, they accept they, cash. They take cash. So it's see you. You have to stop borrowing. When you use your credit card, you are borrowing money if you're not paying. And also, uh, the difference between debit card and credit card. Debit, you use when you have money only. And credit, you buy stuff when you don't have money. That's the trick thing. Mm. What's the second trap? You said there were two of them. Second, I want you to talk about because you have a lot of experience. All right, sounds Car, good. 
Payments. That's a major thing. Yeah. So if you're if you're like me, I, I hate car payments. In fact, I when we first got married, Mandy and I, we made a decision that we were going to stay debt free. That we're we're not going to build up on debt and use cards in that way. So one of the things that we started doing is uh, saving up to buy a car. So we I I, I was making twenty three thousand dollars a year um, when we first got married, which wasn't very much, even though I lived in South Carolina. We go, money goes a little farther there than here, uh, but it's still not much. But I had $800 to buy a car, so I bought a little red, uh, I think it was like a, it's called Eagle, I don't even know, it's like, they probably made it at Toys R Us, Um, (laughs) but it was like a little red car, very cheap, uh, but it was my car, it was not the bank's car, and I paid cash for it, which allowed me then to save up money each month that I would have been paying on car payments to buy another better car. And these principles really changed my life. In fact, for 10 years now that we've been married, we've just been saving up what would have been most people's car payment, and we've been upgrading from car to car. So we then were able to buy two cars by saving up, and we paid cash for both. And then we had $3,000 cars, and $5,000 cars, and $8,000 cars. And, and now I, I still don't have very brand new cars, but my cars are mine, and they work well, and we paid cash for it. We've never had this pressure and the burden of having car payments uh, as, as draining our monthly budget. And here's the reality that the average car payment in America today is $478 over 84 months. So if you think about that, if you invested that money in a decent growth stock mutual fund from age 30 to 70, your working uh, ages, you would have over $5.6 million in the bank. So I hope that car is worth it, right? If we're going to do that, well, like, why, why not flip the mentality, if we do what everyone else is doing, we're going to get what most people are getting, which is stress and bondage and debts like no one else. And so we want to reverse that type of thinking and save up before we buy so that we can pay cash for things and get rid of those car payments. Imagine what it, what it would be like for you if you didn't have to worry about car payments right now, the freedom that it would bring from not having that trap. 500 more available. Yep. Yeah, so to help you really cutting your debt, uh, we have a flyer. It's not in your bulletin, but on your way out, you can get one. There's, uh, there are tables uh, there. And this is a, a one way to help you really uh, writing down all your debts, credit cards, student loans, and then start talking to your spouse and you know, cutting one by one, paying these bills. By the way, uh, we, I know what we are talking here may be overwhelming for you because it's a lot of information, but we do offer you know, every semester a life group specifically on financial peace, so we want to challenge you next summer, uh, we will have you know, financial peace groups that then you can have an opportunity to go in details. So we are opening your appetite today so you can really get you know, with this idea about financial freedom, and we challenge you to continue learning about this. Awesome. So we stop borrowing and start paying our debt aggressively, right? Like we want to get rid of it with everything that we have, sell some stuff, deliver papers, uh, deliver pizza at night, whatever it takes to pay off your debt. But then we go to number two, which is spend less than you make. Very basic again, but if we want to live with financial peace, we need to learn to live on less than we make. Dave Ramsey said it this way, that you have to act your wage. A lot of us don't want to do that, right? We want to act somebody else's wage. So we borrow money and we, do, we, we live a lifestyle that's way different than what we should be living according to the wage that we earn. So just because the government does it doesn't mean we should, right? We should spend what we have, not spend what we don't have. Proverbs 21.20 says this, In the house of the wise 
are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. Foolish people, when they get stuff, they spend it all. They devour it all. And the Bible calls that lifestyle a foolish lifestyle. Oh, also, in 1 Timothy 6, 6, uh, we have godliness with contentment is great gain. So contentment is probably the most powerful financial tool we have. But the problem is we are always comparing ourselves to others. For example, if you had some time ago a BlackBerry like this, you were happy, you know? I remember when you got the you know, first BlackBerry, well, wow, that's good. But suddenly it came the iPhone. Then I said, well, I gotta have an iPhone. That's iPhone 3. And then you got the iPhone, that's the 3, that's the 4. And then you have iPhone 5. Is there a 6 already? No. No. So, that's the problem. We keep adding things that we really don't add or spending money in things that really are not as important. But everyone needs Siri. Uh, no, so use Google. It's free <laughs> anyway. So now there are other things we, we, we do like that. Cars, for example. We talk about cars. So you have a car. Look at this beautiful Accord. <laughs> you have a car that you know, drives you from A to B fine. Suddenly your neighbor shows up with this one. Look. Then, wow, you say, I got to have that. So I got to get to this $600, $500 bill every month, but I need to have that. Or maybe your issue is not cars. No, maybe house. Yeah, the kitchen. Uh, kitchen. Look at this. This is an uh, old kitchen, but you feel like it has everything you need. It has a dishwasher, a fridge, and everything. So you're happy until one day you visit a friend that has one of those. Oh, boy. Then you get home. You cannot sleep anymore. So suddenly, <laughs> that kitchen, does, the dishwasher does not work. The fridge is not good. Nothing is good anymore. So we put a lot of pressure on us because we spend too much time some, you know, going to a shopping mall or you know, searching for new things in, in magazine. And that's just feeding your appetite for buying stuff. So mm. stop. Be content with what you have. Awesome. So we're... Paying off our debt, stop borrowing, cut up, do some plastic surgery in our lives, then spend less than you make. But part of doing that, the practical step to actually spend less than you make is very simple, right? Is get on a budget, which is our number three. We're going to talk about what this looks like for just a few minutes here. Luke 14, 28 says this, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? So why would you start building your life, building anything in life without counting the cost and seeing if you have enough to do it? That's the principle that Jesus taught the people that followed him. Yeah, it's like if you are going to build a four million house, you hire an architect, and then after a while he comes with a piece of paper say oh, this is what we are going to do, so there is no details, nothing. You say, no way I'm going to put $4 million in you know, the hands of this guy. So, but we do that with our life. Uh, in doing our adult life, if you are a normal person, you're going to be like handling 4 to $6 million. If you are rich, maybe 10 to $50 million. And you don't have a plan. You don't have a no, piece of paper. We got to act like adults, so we got to be on paper, on purpose, before the beginning of the month, you need to get all your dollars and give a name to them. Mm. So where my paycheck is going to go? No, it's $10 here, 100 there, 1,000 there, but you need to name mm. 
where your dollar goes. It's a great exercise to do with your spouse, for those of you that are married in the room, to sit down, go on a date night, sit down, and, and really talk about, okay, if we get this amount of money, what would it look like for us to tell each dollar where to go so that the dollar doesn't tell us where to go? Yeah. And to start really uh, being intentional with every single part of your budget, not having all this extra that you don't know what happens with month, month to month, but really being intentional. Uh, in Luke... 1610, Jesus talked about this principle that's very significant when we talk about this. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. That God will give us much more to be faithful over when we show that we're faithful with what we currently have. So it's like a loving father. A loving father knows that you, you don't give a child much more than they can handle if you don't want to hurt them, right? So you're careful. You only give it to them as they are competent enough to handle whatever it is that you're giving to them. And an example that we were talking about is when my dad worked at Ford Motor Company for 24 years. So as he kind of moved up the ladder, there, there are a lot of great benefits that came with working there, including uh, our whole family could have new cars that belong to Ford and we can exchange them anytime. And when I, uh, we were living in Michigan, I got my driver's license and I knew that my dad could give me any car at Ford available to, for me to drive. So uh, I was hoping that he would give me like a Mustang V8 and be able to uh, uh, go, go high, high uh, levels of velocity with that car, but he gave me a four-cylinder Ford Contour. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a teenager, you know? Uh, but he knew I was not competent enough to handle And he a was Mustang. not. He crashed that baby. We, <laughs> we got a Toto, and uh, so I was glad it was not a VH. I don't know if he would be here. <laughs> That's right. So our loving fathers know that, right? You, and, and when we show we're faithful with a little, uh, that's why he never got me a better car after that because I crashed a little. Uh, <laughs> but when we're faithful with what we have, God says, okay, you know what? You can handle more. But a lot of us want God to give us more and to bless us more and to give us favor in this area of, of finances, but we're not being diligent with the things that he already said was a big deal with, paying off debt and managing money in a healthy way and budgeting our, our finances so that we tell the money where to go. Yeah, and I can give you guys a, a, a good hint on how to control your budget. There is this free software called Mint. So mint.com, you can download that. You can have an application on your smartphone. And it, it helps you consolidate all your credit cards, all your bank accounts in one uh, area so you can see and you can track your expenses. They send you message during the week if you want. So it's a very uh, good tool to help you with the budget, and it's free, so we are not adding cost to your mm -hmm. life. <laughs> awesome. I use Mint also, and it's a great tool for us. So now that you've stopped borrowing uh, and began to pay off uh, your debt and you got serious about spending less than you make by creating a budget and living on it, being diligent with the little that you have, uh, you're ready to save like no one else. And this is where it becomes more fun, right? You start to really think through and dream, what can I do with what I have for the future? Proverbs 6.6 6 gives us a lesson uh, that's very significant. It says this, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. So learn from the little ant. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food for the harvest. So an ant doesn't necessarily have a, a ruler, a commander telling her where to go, but it knows already to be intentional to save up for the future. And that's the principle that God says for us to learn from, right? To really be intentional with how we uh, purposely save up for what's ahead. We, if we want to uh, really get 
healthy and have freedom in our finances, we have to start thinking like the ant in this way. So what we want to do is share with you some real practical ways that you can save and reasons for, for saving uh, in a way that honors God. So uh, the first uh, reason for saving or purpose behind saving is this. You save up for hardships. So you can write this down in your notes. Save up for hardships. Money Magazine said it that says that 78% of us will have a major financial uh, or negative financial event within 10 years, every 10 years of life. So if you think about it, that's most of us in the room. Jesus even said, right, bad things happen to good people, to bad people, to rich people, to poor people. So if you don't think bad things will happen financially, you're really not thinking wisely, right? So part of that is understanding that we, we have to save up for emergencies. And what we recommend people doing is to really get at least $1,000 initially in the bank account. So do whatever it takes, sell your shoes, your underwear on Craigslist, whatever you want to do, but get $1,000 in your bank account and then start saving up to get three to six months of your expenses in your bank account as an emergency fund that you don't touch unless you have an emergency. Not like I need a new couch, that's an emergency, like a real emergency. And what happens is this, and I experienced this in my own marriage, that when in the beginning, when, before I, I knew some of these principles, principles, you know, every time there's an emergency, so like you, you, your wife gets pregnant when you, you're not expecting, or uh, you crash your car, or there's a medical expense that comes your way, it's not only a medical expense or a medical problem, but it's a money problem. It's not only a car problem, but it's a money problem. And when you save up for hardship, you separate those two things. So last year, my transmission went out on one of my cars, and for us, it was a transmission problem not a money problem because we have saved up for hardships. It removes the stress from your home when you think that way. Yeah, the second reason you should be saving is for your family. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 14. It says, children should not have to save up to, for their parents, but parents for their children. I love that verse. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> but then there's another one, Proverbs 13, 22 said a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So not for you, uh, or for Lily, for, for Tiago, Children and, and children's children. Don't <laughs> no, it's system. not that. So I can share like an example from my family. My daddy, uh, I mean, I know she has, he has been always saving money. And it doesn't need to be a lot. Maybe you say, you know, I, maybe I can just say $100 per month. You know what that would give you? $100 per month during your adult life, like from 30 to 7, represents in a mutual fund, fund like $1,176. So that's enough money for you to retire with dignity without needing your son to support you when Remember you get Remember what old. you said. <laughs> yeah. And so my daddy has been an example for me. I was with him last November. He's 86, and he proudly told me, son, I have... 30 months of my retirement check in my savings account. So he's still saving, and, I, and, and he doesn't make a lot, but it's just like a principle that he has been living with that I, I learned from him, and I'm trying to pass to my children too. Thank you. And that leads us to the last one, which really is the most fun and important one in, in terms of uh, the goal for how to manage our money, and it's this, that we save up for freedom. And let me explain what this means, but when you work hard to manage your money well, money no longer has the power to control your life. So, so many of us, our decisions, everything we do is, is completely restricted by money. 
But when we start doing, applying these principles, we have freedom that comes into our lives. In fact, money then becomes a tool that frees us to do good instead of becoming a burden that restricts our future. So I want you to hear the words of Paul, who was one of those men that followed Jesus in the early church. He wrote a a third of the New Testament in the Bible. And at the very end of his life, he's already very old. He's about to, really, he's in his last days of ministry. And he's looking at the, the people that he was teaching. And he says some of his final words. He says this, Remember my example. I never once coveted a single coin of silver or gold. I never looked twice at someone's fine clothing. No, you know this. I worked with my own two hands making tents. I paid off my own expenses and my companions' expenses as well. And this is my last gift to you, this example of a way of life, a life of hard work, a life of helping the weak, a life that echoes every day those words of Jesus our King who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, if we work hard now and we're faithful with what we have now, we can then have the freedom to go wherever God wants us to go, to fund whatever God wants us to fund, to give to whomever God wants us to give, to bless people around us, ultimately to imitate the way of Jesus who exemplified this concept with his own life. In fact, he lived life in such a way that others always benefited from his sacrifices. So he worked hard to pay the debt of humanity, the debt of sin of humanity. He exemplified this life of generosity by living a perfect life and then giving his life for us so that we would have a better life, life eternal. And that's the model that Jesus laid out for us, that on the cross, he, he went and conquered over our sins so that we can have benefit from his sacrifices. And one of the greatest joys in the world is to have our lives echo the words of our master, for those of us that follow Jesus. The words that says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we see several of these examples at South Bay. Maybe you could share one of the later ones. Yeah, some weeks ago, I had the opportunity to meet with a couple from our church. They have their own business. They are doing great financially in their own business. And they they were sharing the happiness they have of uh, being used by God to do whatever God tells them to do financially. So they say, uh, some days we are working and we can we think maybe we can stay one hour more today and get all this additional income and you know, give away or listen to what God is showing us. So it, they were sharing with such a joy and that, that was very impactful for me mm. to see a, a couple thinking about that. Yeah, so the freedom that we get is so tremendous. And I want to just end by sharing a little bit of what I feel like is one of the greatest privileges of life that has been passed down to me from my previous generations. And the example that my dad shared of his father, of his father being able to, like, learn, managing his money in a life-giving way, in a healthy way, so that he could position my dad then to be able to go to college and be able to become a, a su- su- successful businessman and build up his career and, and then all the lessons that were passed down to my dad that set him up for success and not just success in a worldly way, but success to do what God asked him to do throughout his lifetime and, and going up the, the ladder in a sense at Ford Motor Company to the point where he became successful in what he was doing and then, be, and, and then my dad being able to position his kids, including myself, 
to really have freedom in life so that I could go to college and I could be trained for ministry and eventually even uh, have the freedom to move across the country to help start South Bay Church. It all went back to a couple generations before me and people being faithful with what they have, passing it down from my grandpa to my father and then from my dad, him passing down these lessons of, of avoiding debt and managing, your, managing your, your money and staying on a budget and spending less and saving up for your future and the legacy that you can pass down to, to the next generation, even if it wasn't passed down to you. The benefits of that are tremendous. And one of the greatest privileges now that I have is being able to serve with my dad and knowing that you know, 10, 10 or so years ago, my dad even was able to quit his job at Ford, the high-paying job at Ford, to work for a fraction of the pay for the local church and do what his heart is stirred to do in life. And, and many of you don't even know this, but when we started South Bay, uh, my dad was able to move here and he volunteered uh, his time for the first couple years of us being here, uh, 100%, so he got no pay, he refused to get paid. And, and that's the freedom you have, right? When you manage your money in a way that honors God, you're able to do whatever God wants you to do, and there's freedom for us. And that is so, so important. Instead of letting money enslave us, money becomes a tool in our hands to do the very things that God asks us to do as we think about our mission in life. So if we want to live like no one else later, we have to start saving like no one else does now, which starts by applying these very principles. Stop borrowing and aggressively pay off your debt, spend less than you make so that you can live on a budget, start telling your dollar where to go so it doesn't tell you where to go, and then save with a purpose, with your God-given mission in mind, which then leads us to what we're going to talk about next week, which is you can then spend money like no one else so that money is a tool that you can build a lifestyle that honors God. If you want to live like no one else, we need to start saving like no one else does now. Let's pray together. Amen. Father, I thank you that you are a generous God, that this example of, of love and generosity flows from you. And I pray for each one of us in this room, those of us just starting the financial journey or maybe trying to catch up or, or make money work for us instead of us being enslaved by it. I pray for your blessing and your grace and those, I pray for those that are winning with money, that we would take it even up a notch, that we would be able to start asking these questions, God, what do you want us to do with what we have? And I pray that as we are faithful with little, that you would grant us favor and grace so that we can be faithful with much and use everything that's already yours as a tool to expand your kingdom on the earth, to bless those around us, and ultimately to bring freedom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.